Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hello and welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. This is Kurt Mortensen. This is podcast 364, where we teach the skills we should have learned in school to maximize your success, maximize your income, and just maximize your life. We've got a special guest today. Hold on, buckle up, get your notes out. This is Lisa McLeod. She's the author of Selling with Noble Purpose. She works with entrepreneurs and leaders around the world at organizations like Salesforce, Roche, and Dave and & Buster's. Her research has revealed that salespeople who sell with noble purpose, who truly want to make a difference, outsell people focused on sales targets. The subtitle of her book is How to Drive Revenue and Do Work That Makes You Proud. She's an expert on helping leaders win hearts and minds, and of course, we love to say, and maximize their influence. So, hey, Lisa, welcome. It's great to be with you, Kurt. It's good to have you here to get some insight and wisdom from you. As you know, we got to start off with the first question of the day is, Lisa, what is the worst vegetable on the planet and why? I'm going to start out controversial, out of the gate, spicy jalapeno peppers. <laughs> that is specific. Tell us why. I know some people love them, but I have a pretty mild palate and I You'll eat something, you'll think it's good, you'll take a big bite, and then this giant thing just puts your whole mouth on fire. They ought to come with a warning label. <laughs> they should tell you. Up front, <laughs> they, warning, they eat at your own me. risk. <laughs> yeah, bite at your own risk because and my husband will do it. He'll like, oh, this is great. He'll say, yeah, it's a little spicy, and I'll bite it in my mouth on fire. So well, Then you don't even want to try that ghost pepper. Have you heard about that one? I, I have heard, but not tried. Oh, my son with his not having a frontal lobe being a teenager on a dare ate one and we ended up in the hospital. Those things are like super hot. Okay, see, so, I'm not alone in my, don't, don't in put my that fear on your of the pepper. That's the big time pepper. So, all right, we got a new one. So the spicy pepper we're going to put on our list. All right, so let's start off talking about, you know, salespeople in general. We all persuade and influence for a living. What do you think the biggest mistake or blunder that people are making right now that could be easily fixed once we identify it? The single biggest mistake that salespeople make is they think they're trying to persuade the customer that their solution is the best one, and you're not. What you're trying to influence your customer is for them to see that your strategic intent is to help them. That's the first sale you have to make, and it has to be honest. So instead of pushing that solution, vomiting those features and benefits as we talk about on the show, you're saying let's back up and persuade people about our, our intent, our willingness to serve? Is that, is that what you're talking about? Our intent, yeah. Because your customers are reading you all the time, consciously and unconsciously. Most of it's unconscious. And they're reading your intent. And if your intent is, I'm here to close this deal, you're going to get some sales better than someone that just shows up willy-nilly. But if your intent is, I'm going to find the biggest, boldest way to help this customer, they're going to read that. You're going to speed up the trust equation, and you're going to come up with a better solution. 
So they're reading you that, all right, are they trying to close me, back me in a corner, tell me what I need? Are they there to help me is what you're saying. That's right. And what's happened with all the changes that have happened to us in the last you know, nine months in 2020, previously transactional sales, this sort of close them, close them, close them was already on the way out. COVID put the death knoll in the coffin for that because customers, especially in a B2B space, 70 to 80% of their journey is online. So they don't need you as the feature salesperson. And so what happens now is we have this growing chorus of customers when they shut everything down, said no salespeople can come in, and then they opened it back up for sales calls in a virtual format. We have a growing chorus of customers asking, are you here to close me or are you actually here to help me? And if the answer is you're just here to close me, I don't need you. I can buy that stuff online. Yeah, I've always been a believer that people that focus on closing skills, it's like trying to get a kiss after a bad date. <laughs> okay. It just it falls short, especially in this COVID era that we're going through. And I think one of the big challenges you talk about this willingness to help, trust is at an all-time low. That's no secret. What do you think these salespeople need to do in that initial introduction to build that trust to show them that they're willing to help and serve them? So what you need to do actually happens before the introduction. And I love your analogy of trying to get a kiss after a bad date. For a lot of salespeople, they're trying to get a kiss before they even had a date, (laughs) which is worse. It's like, come on, let's cut to the chase. Give me a kiss. You're like, whoa, whoa, I don't even know you. Are you going to kiss me or not? Or should I just leave? And and we all know it's worse. I'm not going to pay for your dinner unless you kiss me. That's probably the wrong order. Okay, I'm with you. (laughs) And, you know, the order is what's wrong. And so one of the things that we teach salespeople how to do is it's not just in that first interaction, it's before you show up. And so the question that every seller needs to ask, we call it the game-changing question. It's what every seller needs to ask, what every sales leader needs to ask. And Selling with Noble Purpose, we have a whole chapter on it. And it's the game-changing question is this, how will the customer be different as a result of doing business with us? So before you meet that customer, you need to be able to have, you don't have to completely answer it, but you need to have some idea how will the customer be different. And just to say, well, they'll have the benefits of our products and services. We've got a great solution. No, that's not enough. You need to be thinking about what would happen to the customer if they chose to do business with us, what would be the positive impact on them? And that will point your mind in a different direction. And if you do that before you make a sales call, what's going to happen is, All those things that we know in our hearts that sellers need to do, like deeper discovery and all of that, that happens more naturally. Just like on that date, if instead you said, well, my goal at the end is this. No. If you say, how can I really understand this person and see what's inside them so that maybe there's a potential for something? If you start every date that way, you'd have a lot better dates. The same thing applies (laughs) to customers. See, you also get dating advice on the show. (laughs) So. Make good note of that one. And I love that question, how you'll be different as a result of doing business with us. And so you talk about this preparation. Let me ask you this. Is the preparation before I talk to a prospect, is that getting my mindset, getting in the right state? Is that doing the research? Is it a combination of both? What are you thinking? It's both. You got to get your head in the right space and you've got to do the research. So let me tell you what our studies revealed. And you talked about a little bit in the opening, but sellers whose intent is to improve life for the customer outsell sellers who are focused on the targets and the quotas. 
and you think about it, who would you rather have calling you? Someone going, oh, I'm here to close you or someone saying, I'm actually here to help you. But the, the difference in selling with noble purpose is it's not just about pleasing the customer, it's about improving the customer. And so in order to improve the customer's condition, you have got to do some homework in your area of expertise where are they now? What's possible? What might be getting in their way? How could we, in effect, make their life or business better? So you've got to do a little homework because you can't just go in and tout some generic value proposition. They can get that off your website. Yeah, good call. Doing the homework, making sure you're in the right state to be able to show them that you're tempted, you're there to improve them. I love how that flows. But let's talk about, we were talking a little bit earlier, the whole technology thing, COVID, I mean, we have this love-hate relationship for technology, it seems. I mean, it's nice to be at home in your sweats doing things but versus being face-to-face. How do we use technology and still be human, still connect, still build trust, and still sell? Well, as you said, it is nice to be home in your sweats. But one of the things that sellers need to realize is you are getting a lot of clues from the customer's environment. If you were a seller who prior to this went out and made face-to-face sales calls, you had the benefit of being in their office, seeing what was going on around them. A client of mine who's a head of HR for a, a major bank who a lot of sellers call on her, she said, what was annoying in an in-person call is intolerable in a Zoom call. <laughs> and so if you were that sort of one-way pitch person in your previous life, when you were out there making face-to-face calls, it is not going to cut it in Zoom. So one of the things that we say is, When you do your homework, the beauty of the web is it's there for you. I mean, obviously, you want to look at your customer's website and see what they're all about, but go read the CEO's letter to the shareholders. That'll tell you what the challenges are. And even if you're selling something small that may not be able to fix all of those challenges, you want to know what are this company's big challenges for next year so that you're at least stepping into a conversation where you can speak somewhat fluidly about those. I love that. We've got this thing called the internet <laughs> that'll let us it's know almost there. everything. It's there. It's, it might be a fad. It might go away. But anyway, we've got, like you said, letters from the CEO. You've got Facebook. We can almost stalk people. that and uh, You wait. can do it in like eight minutes. I've timed it. Like it eight. doesn't have to take that long. I love it. So eight minutes, you find out about them, their personality, about the company, about their strengths, about their weaknesses. That eight minutes is going to make the biggest difference as far as adapting and customizing to them and, and working through. There's so much information there that, that you can learn. And they, they even have software now that'll do it for you if you really right. want to go high tech. Well, let's talk about back to the Zoom. What are the, the do's and don'ts between a, a live presentation and Zoom? That's always intriguing because it is so much different and the people really aren't shifting gears. They're not. And one of the things that you're not getting from Zoom is you're not getting the emotional resonance and feedback that you normally do. And even those of us, even if you don't have a huge EQ where you're saying, oh, they're smiling, oh, they're leaning forward, you might not have even been processing that, but your body knew. Your body could feel it in person. And so now on a Zoom, One of the things, I mean, we've all seen all the articles, you know, have the good background, blah, 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 blah. You need to plan better questions is one of the big things you can do on a Zoom is plan more insightful, thoughtful questions because you need to realize you're competing with their email, with their text, maybe with their kid across the kitchen table. 
So you want to plan what we call these high impact questions. Don't ask, so what keeps you up at night? They don't have time for that shit, okay? Like, you should know that before that's, you call. That's kind of old school. Cross that one it's, off your list. Yeah, do not be asking that. But if you want to ask questions like, what impact is the new acquisition having on your team? Oh, now that's a question that someone's going to lean into if you are asking about the right thing. And I, I do want to go back to something, though. When I talk about this idea of noble purpose sellers, there's a clear win from a revenue standpoint, and there's a clear win for the buyer for you to be this noble purpose seller. But there's also a personal happiness piece that often goes unaddressed. And I know a lot of sellers right now, work has become very challenging. And so, and so, so I think it's worth addressing this piece of you and what you stand for and why you even should bother to show up for work in the morning. Because if you don't have that larger purpose, that feeling of emotional engagement, your work is just going to be a grind and it's going to show up. It's going to show up on your video calls. It's going to show up on your emails. It's going to show up on the way you sit down to dinner with your kids. And that's a great point, especially where, you know, society and COVID is sucking the life out of us, the fear or the FUD, they call it, the fear, uncertainty and doubt and that uncertainty. And so I mean, some people have heard it before being a product of the product, right? You have to really believe in it. And that's hard sometimes with the rejection. But let's talk about that, where how can you develop that better passion, a better purpose to sell your product when you're not feeling it, especially in sales when you're not synergizing with other salespeople. You're alone in front of a computer at your house. Got any tips here that can help us out to get us back on track, but with purpose and passion to get that back? I absolutely do. So there are three questions that you need to ask yourself. And if you will spend literally 10 minutes doing this, you can do it on your way, walking out to your mailbox or whatever. Three questions, we call them the three discovery questions, and they will help you find your sense of noble purpose. They are this, how do you make a difference to customers? And really think this through. Do you make their life easier? Do you help them get, get done with work earlier? Do you help them do things faster? Do you give them peace of mind? Like really think through and don't just think about it from a company perspective, but think about people that either you sold to or one of your colleagues sold to and how were the individual lives different? How did you make a difference? And the reason the individual is important is, you know, helping a company make two percentage points more ROI is great, but it's not going to get you out of bed in the way that helping a person does. Second thing is, how do you do it differently than your competition? And I'm not talking about your features, your bells and whistles, but how do you personally, as a seller, do you care more? Do you go the extra mile? Like, what's your special sauce? And then the third question is, remember, on your best day, what did you love about your job? If you can answer those three questions, you give yourself something to tether to because that's what your noble purpose is. It's it's something to tether you to in a time of uncertainty because just tethering yourself to a number, you're going to experience way too many highs and lows and it's not going to have the emotional resonance. But if you wake up every day knowing I help people do their jobs better, they're in a better mood when they get home to their, you know, go the next room to their family, they work better together and I helped five people yesterday, I'm going to help six today. If you can get wrap your mind around that kind of narrative, you will have a different experience at work. 
That's important, that purpose, that passion. The, I like the last question, that best day, maybe that victory list, things that you've done, the yeah. difference you've made in people's life, the money you've saved, the money you've made companies can make a big difference, especially when you're dealing with rejection all day long. Sometimes that purpose, that passion tends to erode away a little bit after 17 no's and a, somebody saying something mean to you. And that's the key is you can just wrap yourself around that purpose and passion. Then all of a sudden, you're more motivated. And so let me ask you about that correlation between the fear of criticism, the fear of rejection, any fear in general, and selling that purpose. How can we get past that and stay on track? Well, your fear is coming from your lizard brain. They're not going to like me. I mean, any salesperson, and I've been in sales my whole life. I'm background as a sales leader, VP of sales. Any salesperson can go from, oh my God, I got rejected to, I'll never make my number. I'll never make money again. My spouse is going to divorce me. I'm going to have to live in my parents' basement. Oh my God, my parents are dead. I'm hopeless. I mean, you can go there in two seconds. That's your lizard brain. You want to ignite your frontal lobes and your frontal lobes are where more creative thinking sits. When you ignite your frontal lobes prior to a sales call, you show up better. So I'm going to share with you what we call the 10 second game changer in Selling with Noble Purpose. We studied all the top performing salespeople across a variety of industries and came up with this technique, the 10 second game changer. Before you're about to go on a sales call, before you're about to open up your camera, you want to pause. You want to breathe so you get oxygen going to your, all your extremities, and then you want to think, I'm here to make a difference to this customer, and you want to show up with an open heart. If you can do that, you will show up as your best self, like literally in 10 seconds, because the best salespeople that we studied were people who could tolerate uncertainty. The reason that salespeople get so afraid and they product pitch and they get over, they overtalk the customer is because they can't tolerate the uncertainty. But if you can say, I'm here to make a difference and I'm confident that something will reveal itself, you'll calm down and you'll get better information from your customer and you'll enjoy your sales call more and so will your customer. I see that too, just a good ritual. Like you said, 10 seconds. This is not mm-hmm. 10 minutes, 10 hours to get back in the right state, right mindset, get ready for the call especially if you've just been beat up or you've had a few rejections. So important to do, to be able to do that. And this is what the greats do. They have a ritual, Mm -hmm. something they do to get them back on track. That mindset is so important. Like you said, your lizard brain or call it your caveman brain. We call them subconscious triggers. Those things are real. They'll take over your own brain and your prospect brain. You have to understand how to deal with both of those. I'll tell you one thing that was really interesting when we had people go back to their win list, and I want to draw people's attention to the nuance of this. Going back and reminding yourself that you can sell million-dollar deals is good, but it will not ignite your frontal lobes as well as going back and reminding yourself about the impact that that deal had on the customer. Because if you sort of game up and go, I can sell it, I can do it, I can do it, you're still in the headspace of you which is better than being miserable and being unconfident. But the next level, the highest performers go back and say, I sold that million dollar deal or that $10,000 deal, or even I didn't. Someone else in my company sold it and it improved the customer in this way, in this way, in this way. My work makes a difference. That's where you want your headspace to be. It seems like a nuanced difference, but it's actually quite dramatic. It's the difference between I'm the boss 
I'm the king, I'm the queen, I can sell this shit versus I am a person who sells something that makes a difference. I can still matter and make a difference. That second sensibility is going to be more powerful to your customer. And what an important shift from closing them to I'm here to serve. When they feel like you're going to close them, now you're arrogant, but when you're there to serve, you're more confident. And that's true with leadership. I mean, we've all heard about servant leadership. When you're in that space to serve, that just changes the game and your demeanor and how you come across. For North Star. Absolutely. Different North Star, different perspective, and you're coming across in a different way. So their lizard brain doesn't freak out on you and run, which, you know, we see that happen all the time. But let me shift gears a little bit here. I know you've done a lot of research on top salespeople, and that's always intriguing to benchmark what the greats do. What shocked you the most as you were looking at top salespeople? Was there anything that was kind of shocking to you that was like, wow, that's interesting? I'll tell you two things that were the most interesting to me that top salespeople had a mindset and a sensibility irrespective of what was going on in their companies. So what we found was in top performing companies, the company was all about, we're here to make a difference to customers. We have a purpose bigger than money. We're putting a dent in the universe. We're changing the face of IT. Dave and Buster's, we're championing laugh out loud fun, whatever it was. The top companies had that sensibility, but what was really interesting to me was in mid-performing companies, the top salespeople had that sensibility, even if their leaders were saying, close it, close it, close it, quarterly number, quarterly number, quarterly number. And so what was interesting to me was their ability to tether themselves to a purpose, even when it wasn't present in their organization. The other thing that was interesting to me in our studies was talked about it just a second ago, the ability to sit with uncertainty. I knew that that was important, but I didn't realize that it was crucial until we really got into interviewing these salespeople. And the top people had this innate confidence that something would come about, they could respond in the moment. Now they were planful, but they had this innate confidence that the conversation could take a couple different turns and they'd be able to something would come about versus the mid-level performers that were more rigid and directed. And that difference between the top and the middle was in that one area, the ability to sit with uncertainty, that was much more pronounced than I thought it would be. So that's good info, listeners. Hopefully you caught that too. Even though great salespeople work for other companies, they almost treat it like their own business. You know, they have their own little areas, their own little mindset. And I love the uncertainty piece to where I mean, that's life. Life is uncertain. Some people handle it differently. So they could deal with uncertainty, but how do they get to stick with the the confidence, the hope, the optimism? What do they need to do there? What's different there? I mean, they have it. Is there any way to grow that, to develop that for the people that just freak out with it? Yeah. And and I want to be clear. Most salespeople have it on some days. It's the days that they don't that we're talking about here because we've all had that experience. If you're in sales and you're making a living, you know that what you're doing makes a difference. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to sell it. And you've had that confidence. So where our work is focused on is getting it consistently in individual performers and scaling it across an organization. So one of the things that you can do when I talked about that question, how do you make a difference? One of the things that you can do is identify what we call a customer impact story, which is different than a customer win story, but a customer impact story is how your solution made a difference to a customer and just repeat it to yourself. 
we had a situation the other day where we talked to someone that had changed jobs. We had worked with her three years earlier and talk about the need to drink your own Kool-Aid. She got on this call and she was like, oh my gosh, I remember this program you did with our company. It totally changed the way I thought about sales. And my uh, colleague, um, who's my business partner and I weren't having a great day. A couple things had gone wrong. This customer, previous customer gets on and starts talking about, oh, it made such a difference in me. I use it with my whole team. We loved our jobs. We sold so much more. And I was like, oh, crap. I need to put this on record and remember it every day for myself. And that's what we all need to do is remember those times when we made a difference to a customer. It'll fire up your frontal lobes. It'll reset you to your noble purpose. And it will give you the confidence to go back out there. Well said. Well said, Lisa. Let me ask you this. What's the one thing we missed here? What is that one thing you really want to tell our listeners about what we've been talking about today? The money and the meaning are connected. You do not have to choose between making money and making a difference. Sales is the place where you can do both. It'd be great if your whole team adopted this, but you're not dependent on them. You can do this on your own. Identify how you make a difference to customers Make that your North Star, and the data tells us you will sell bigger deals, you will sell stickier deals, you will enjoy your job more. Making money and making a difference are connected. So crank up your meaning, make more money, and be more successful. Is that what we're saying? And you'll also be happier. Oh, I like it. Happier is true. Happier, more optimistic, more hope. And you also transfer that to others, which is one of the reasons we do this, is to transfer that meaning, that hope, to improve the lives of others. It's something... That gives you that purpose and passion life. I like that. So, hey, Lisa, where can our listeners find out more about you and what you do? Sellingwithnoblepurpose.com. Uh, go there. We've got some free stuff for you. You can take an assessment to identify how your customers perceive you. And then based on how you score, there's some information there that tells you what to do. And you can also follow me on LinkedIn. We do a weekly newsletter on LinkedIn, absolutely free. Perfect. Listeners, hopefully you took some great notes there, got some insights. Now, everyone that listened to the show, you listen to maximize your success and income, and you learned many tools to help you do just that. So apply something you've learned today. Hey, and one final thing, we're getting emails about the special I offered last week. Since it's the end of the month, I'm offering my three best-selling programs for the price of one. That's the power of negotiation taped at a three-day live seminar, how to create, deliver, and close the perfect persuasive presentation, and the number one best-selling magnetic persuasion course that teaches you all the laws of persuasion. And as a great bonus, you get a coaching session with me. So cash in. Go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's also the spot to get my free book, Maximum Influence. That's a new edition. Just pick up a little shipping and handling. Take your free Persuasion IQ assessment. And of course, this limited time offer, check it out and get it at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your emails. Remember to master the tools of influence and go out and persuade with power. 